The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo on AM Live, turning the spotlight on the big issues and the people behind them. Nine minutes after eight. Thanks for tuning in to AM Live. It's time now for the Forum at Eight. And this morning we are talking about a municipal expenditure. And looking at the current uh, economic conditions, we are asking, is it time to review the Municipal Council Handbook? So wasteful expenditure has long been a challenge for local municipalities. In June this year, the Auditor General Kimi Makwetu reported that irregular expenditure among South Africa's municipalities has more than doubled over the last last five years, hitting 14.75 billion rand in the last financial year. And uh, then you take that and you juxtapose it to recent um, uh, reports that Emalatheni municipality in um, Mpumalanga had to cancel the purchase of a luxury vehicle for its new mayor, Lindiwe Nchalinchali, after the municipal manager diverted 1.5 million rand of service delivery funds. And then in Likwa local municipality, they They've entered into a contract to hire 29 vehicles at a cost of 50.4 million rand, including um, the mayor Linda Damini's luxury BMW X5 over three years. And this is despite service delivery backlogs in that municipality. However, whenever there's expenditures and uh, these are exposed, officials are very quick to refer to the ministerial handbook, which is meant to set guidelines for spending by ministers, deputy ministers, executive mayors, uh, chief justice and other public bearers right down to the municipal level. And in 2014, the Department of uh, Public Service and Administration said that it was conducting a review of the handbook, but to date, nothing has yet been presented. So just to come back to that question, what we're grappling with this morning is it time to review the Municipal Council Handbook in light of everything that is happening? And uh, we're joined now by Dr. Dale McKinley, spokesperson for the Right to Know campaign. Thanks for speaking to us this morning, Dale. Thank you, Sakina. My pleasure. And uh, we also have uh, Jackie Maepa, Municipal HR Manager Systems at the Ministry for Cooperative Governance and Traditional Affairs. Thank you so much for your time as well. Thank you very much, sir. So maybe we should just start by looking at uh, the Municipal Council Handbook. It's meant to be a guide, but it would seem that more often than not, um, this is seen as, you know, the benchmark as to what and how things should be done and what should be spent as opposed to uh, just a guide. Why is it that municipal officials would see it as such, Mr. Mayepa? Um, Monica Kina and, and your listeners, um, the remuneration of, of councillors, you know, across the country are, are, are managed in terms of uh, the notice that is issued by the minister. The minister derives the powers from the remuneration of office public service, in, uh, public office bearers at 1998. The minister issues the notice on an annual basis, and that notice provides the minimum limit, you know, within which you know um, uh, councillors would benefit in terms of their various uh, scheme of benefits, be it medical uh, and other related allowances. So municipalities would then, you know, in order to implement, you know, the, the, the framework that determined by the minister will uh, have considered, you know, whether 
they can be able to afford, you know, and, and uh, to pay some of the benefits that have been regulated in, in terms of the minister. So before they implement, they need to, you know, to go through that kind of a test to establish whether they can be able to afford, you know, within a municipality's financial capacity. And that is also subject to checks and balances by the MACs responsible for local government before uh, and municipalities would effect such, uh, uh, will implement such, such uh, benefits as and when That sort of discretion seems to be lacking if one looks at the AG's report, uh, which found that 54 out of 272 municipalities attain clean audits and that you have irregular, unauthorized, as well as fruitless and wasteful expenditure remaining at stubbornly high levels. So the minister, Des Van Royen, minister of COCTA, um, said that the department will work closely with Treasury to improve these financial management issues at municipal level. What has been done in that regard thus far? So, you know, there are plans in place, you know, to ensure that uh, once, you know, and 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 uh, 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 a notice has been issued, you know, uh, which you know takes effect from the first of July every year. We work with the national treasury. We work with MSCs for local government in the, in the provinces to ensure that uh, before any, any municipality could, you know, implement that notice. They need to obtain concurrence from the MEC in relation to the benefits that are applicable to their, to their own councillors. And uh, reports are being compiled and then sent to Treasury in, 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 in relation to the expenses. And on an annual basis, we also conduct an analysis of the kind of benefits that are payable to each and, and every municipality. So that, that, those are some of the mechanisms that we have in place to ensure that we'll be able to check and, and see what kind of benefits in a particular municipality have been paid out to councillors, whether they, you know, those benefits fall within the, the, the prescribed framework, as, as I've outlined earlier and speaking of that framework, uh, Dale, very often when minister, when municipal officials are questioned about some of this uh, wasteful expenditure, they would invoke uh, the municipal uh, handbook for councillors. And just looking at the way things are playing out at the moment, and, and, and unfortunately it, it seems to be for the most part municip- uh, municipalities where there are service delivery uh, backlogs and not just, uh, you know, backlogs uh, that are acceptable, but uh, councils that seem to be faltering for the most part, where people would rush out to buy vehicles uh, for municipal officials as opposed to dealing with service delivery. Well, absolutely. I think we, first of all, uh, we need to remind ourselves that this uh, debate and supposed changing of the ministerial handbook has been going on for years now. Um, it's it's uh, probably about six or seven years that it's been uh, being amended, being changed, and we're constantly told that plans are in place, that this is coming. Um, now, you know, if local government officials are, are always referring to the ministerial handbook, in some ways uh, what we need to do is we need to focus on the fact that many of those struggling municipalities, many of those municipalities where there's this fruitless and wasteful expenditure, where there's all of these questions of unnecessary expenditure on luxury items and so forth, are receiving a great deal of their funds from national government. Uh, Their tax bases are fairly low. Local governments are able to uh, receive revenue by two main sources. That's intergovernmental transfers, that's from the national state, and then through the local tax base and their own revenue generating. And most of those municipalities have very low tax bases. 
So it's up to the national government as well. It's not simply a local government issue. If national government is not practicing what it preaches, in other words, if ministers and the president and the high-ranking officials in the state are splurging on all sorts of perks and, and uh, things, and then the local government officials look at this and say, well, why, don't we, why can't we do the same thing, essentially? And I think that's part of the problem, is that the example of national government and its own ability to rein in this expenditure, uh, which we're continually told is going to happen or is happening, uh, is, is not really been transparent. Um, we don't know exactly what has been changed in that handbook. Uh, it hasn't been unveiled. The second thing, of course, is the fact that, uh, that the, uh, you know, the laws and the, the regulations are simply not good enough. Um, what we have is we have a situation where uh, officials who can take advantage of the loopholes, who can take advantage of the fact that there's nothing that really explicitly states, for example, I, I was just being reminded that uh, uh, now our finance minister, Tavin uh, Gordon, you know, back in 2013, when he was also a cooperative and local government minister, he announced that he was going to implement standardized cost limits for car purchases, uh, revoking official credit cards for all local municipal officials, smaller delegations to abroad, all these kinds of things. Now, this all sounded very good, but we never knew if that was implemented. Um, and so we're left in the lurch, and in, those, in the spaces and gaps in between, we find that this kind of thing continues, as you just talked about more recently. So it's a political and administrative problem, not simply one of greedy individuals. But but why is this the case? Because does national government then not have the appetite to crack down? I think that's the fundamental question. I mean, we've seen uh, in our national debates and a lot of the controversies that have been happening over the last few years that uh, officials right up at the top level are splurging government funds on personal things and on uh, you know luxuries and items that simply the average citizen would say, well, why are you buying a 1.5 million rand car when you can do with you know, something that's half that, that price. If we're all going to have to sacrifice, if our economy is not doing well, well, then the first thing we would expect is our public officials to act accordingly. And if there's no political will and appetite to do that at the, at the top levels, uh, then, again, the local government officials have very little incentive to follow that, uh, uh, to, well, you know, to follow into the example that they're going to set is going to reflect that. So I think it is fundamentally, it's not just a legislative issue. It's, yes, we need to tighten up the, the regulations. We need a handbook that everybody can see. And that's the other point, is that if we don't have a handbook that the public can have access to and knows exactly what the rules and regulations are, then how is the local government uh, population supposed to uh, hold those officials accountable? It's a guesswork game. And they can then say, look, you know, we have the right to do these things. Uh, you know, nobody has told us we can't do this. And so we need to, to tighten up both on the legislative and policy front, but also fundamentally we need the politicians to basically uh, walk the talk and to, and to join the, the, the population in tightening their belts and stop wasting this public money and in showing the population that they really do care about the, 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 the situation, the economic situation, and will act accordingly with public finances. So, you see, that in itself is an anomaly. Why is uh, this ministerial handbook such a secret document? Because, again, when it comes to the issue of accountability, how are you supposed to then hold people accountable if you're not quite sure as to what exactly they may or may not do within stipulated frameworks? Precisely. Um, I mean, let's take the example of the Nkandla uh, scandal and saga. 
I mean, this was fundamentally around, you know, as soon as people started asking questions about the amount of expenditure and what was being uh, built there at Inkanla and whether that was official, officially sanctioned or whether it was legal or not, what did we get from government? We got uh, basically a wall put up. Uh, this we were secret, confidential. This was uh, going to compromise the security of the president and so forth and so on. Now, again, the example is set at the top level. Uh, the officials, as you say, when they're asked these things by local uh, uh, communities and people, they say, well, look, we can't tell you this, you know. This is within the, the parameters of what we're allowed to do. But this goes to the heart of the access to information uh, crisis that we have at local government, where communities are, are asking, look, if we have a participatory democracy and we have a situation where you, you're asking us to hold you accountable, we can only do so to the extent that we have the necessary information, and particularly on expenditure on public, of public finances. So this is at the heart of the matter. If we don't have access to that information and that the handbook is not made public on all levels, whether that's for top officials at the national state or local government and mayors and councillors, then people are going to be asking those questions in the dark. And as a result, when they don't get those answers, what necessarily happens? They go to the streets to get them. So when we look at all the service delivery protests and we look at all the conflict that's happening, it's very much linked to the secrecy and confidentiality uh, that is being practiced at these levels because people simply don't know. And so they have to find different ways of trying to access that information or force access to that information. Mr. Mayepa, why isn't that information freely available? Why can't people just freely walk into a municipal office and uh, have access to that information? But, you know, let me first clarify you know, one point that uh, uh, before I come to a question. The issue is that the total remuneration packages for, for, for councillors across the country are, are administered in terms of a notice you know, issued by the minister annually, as I've indicated. So the notice provides that... Uh, a councillor will be entitled to an, an, an allowance, not, not exceeding 25% of his or her total you know, annual remuneration, which will go towards the purchase of a vehicle. I'm speaking in terms of full-time councillors like your, your executive mayors, speakers, and whips. Mm-hmm. And uh, this information you know, is recorded you know, in terms of uh, the, the, the documentation that will be kept by, by municipality, municipality will keep a record of you know, the kind of benefits that have been uh, afforded to individual councillors and so forth. So it, it should not be uh, difficult to obtain such information on request. But I just wanted to clarify further that uh, somewhere I think we're mixing the ministerial handbook and the councillor remuneration on, 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 on councillors, as, as, as though it's one and the same thing. So please clarify us, Mr. Mayepa. I, I am saying uh, in the public service, you've got, you know, the ministerial handbook which governs, you know, the, 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 the benefits of, of uh, ministers across, uh, you know, across, across government. Mm-hmm. When it comes to local government, the, you know, for purposes of, you know, councillors being provided with the, the necessary tools to perform their duties in relation to transport, 
In the total remuneration package that is payable to municipalities, which is you know, differentiated according to different categories of municipalities, a councillor will be entitled to an allowance of 25% from the total remuneration package towards the payment of, uh, uh, the payment of uh, uh, a vehicle of, of his or her choice. And, and, and I guess it brings us uh, to this question that we are asking today. Given the current economic climate, uh, given the sort of challenges that municipalities face today, should we still be abiding by those very rules or is there a need at this point to perhaps relook that particular situation given that our economic situation is basically at stagnant growth? Yes, I, I guess I can. The issue is, you know, is, is two-pronged two here. The, the issue is councillors are, are required, first and foremost, to render certain services to have, you know, regular engagement with their local communities from time to time, and they need to travel. And uh, the question would then be what mode of transport, you know, to ensure that they are able to travel and meet their communities and attend to. Uh, you know, some of the, the, the legal requirements that they are supposed to attend to, you know, in the, in the capacity of councillors in our municipalities. Mm. The, the issue of tightening, you know, the belt idea is something that needs to be, you know, looked into, you know, given the different conditions that would prevail, like the economic conditions that you're referring to now. That's something that could be looked into, but that should not undermine the need for councillors. I'm just, you know, wanting that much as we might need to look into that, we need to ensure that councillors are still able to fulfil their, their statutory obligations as required by law. Mm, because the question then, uh, more pointedly, is does a councillor really need a one and a half million rand car? Would uh, maybe a, a car at the third of that cost not suffice? Can't it get around a community? So, you know, those would be some specific study. You know, we, we, we're not, we're not, we don't have details of that information for now. You know, those are some of the things that we could look into once they've been brought forward to us to investigate into. But for now, as I've indicated, the limit is 25% of the councillor's you know, um, salary should go towards purchase of a vehicle. Although, you know, provision does exist for, you know, some municipalities to buy a councillor's, you know, um, uh, vehicles in the, in, the, in, 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 in circumstances where they are not able to utilize this provision in the in the notice. Mm. You see, Mr. Mayapa, what's a bit disturbing about that is, you know, um, we do not seem to see the same vigor when it comes to service delivery for the broader community as there is with, you know, complying in terms of making sure that councillors get what, uh, you know, was pro- what, what, what was promised to them. We can promise things to the community and not deliver. We can take time and we can mull over when and how that will happen. But when it comes to this, we are very clear. Because still to that point, if you look at what the Auditor General is telling us, uh, where municipalities, um, you know, are not faring very well in terms of clean audits, and also the fact that uh, government seems to be undermining its own plans and and, 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 and um, uh, targets, because half of the municipalities did not even reach the 2014 Universal Clean Audit target. That was set by government itself uh, in that Operation uh, Clean Audit in 2008. And yet, nobody seems too concerned about the fact that we are not meeting those sort of targets. 
doesn't that speak to a situation where our priorities are perhaps a bit warped? It, it certainly calls, you know, it, it calls, you know, for some, some, you know, uh, uh, some intervention. It calls for some, you know, a need for review. Uh, I, I, I agree that uh, first and foremost, the benefits that are payable to councillors, you know, before they are finalised by the minister, uh, we also look into the into the into the issues that pertain to whether a, a particular municipality will be able to afford to pay the salaries that are applicable to these councillors. But even the, the kind of, you know, uh, some of the tools of trade, like, you know, the vehicles that they're getting, they've been limited in terms of the notice. We're saying only 25% can be, can be utilized for the purchase of a vehicle. That set the standard, you know, across the sector that would mean even any municipality, should a municipality decide to pay, I mean, to, to, to purchase a vehicle for a mayor, for a speaker, that should serve as, 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 the, as, the, as the standard, you know, that should be applicable, you know, across all municipalities. The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo on AM Live, turning the spotlight on the big issues and the people behind them. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Forum at 8. And this morning we are asking whether it's time to review the Municipal Council Handbook. And this in light of some reports that have come up. And in the main, they speak to councillors spending great amounts of money on luxury cars when there are service delivery backlogs that are yet to be contended with. So we're speaking to Dr. Dale McKinley, spokesperson for the Right to Know campaign, as well as uh, Jackie Mayepa, who's Municipal HR Manager uh, Systems at the Ministry for Cooperative Governance and Traditional Affairs. And I just want to read some of the messages before I get to the lines. Um, This one from Patricia Tomlinson. Patricia says, it's definitely time to have a relook at the Municipal Services Handbook. Your report yesterday about the Mayor of Standerton leasing a BMW uh, X5, probably top of the range, refers. Why can't uh, these people, some of whom aren't even worth a fraction of what they are being paid, come down from their pedestal and drive less expensive cars. So long as the car is reliable and comfortable, that is all that matters. But no, they must have their status symbols regardless of the cost. Uh, Siegfried uh, says, that Sigin Randberg says, uh, Sakina, in the 1970s, the city of Johannesburg was incensed when one of its foremost councillors, Francois Oberholzer, was alleged to be eating king clip for lunch at ratepayers' expense. Now, those were the days when councillors and Mayor served the ratepayers as honorary leaders without compensation to speak of. Today, fortunes are being paid out in salaries and luxury vehicles for councillors whom the Auditor General has repeatedly proved to be neither honorary nor honourable. And then uh, just looking at some of uh, the tweets coming through as well, uh, Elias says, the fish rots from the head. If leadership lead by example, we wouldn't have these wasteful expenditures. Tsepo Mohale says, the local governments get their cue from national government. Uh, they figure that uh, what's good for the goose is also good for the gander. Uh, Zingisa says it's about 
eating. Treasury has a negotiated vehicle contract with OMEs, but the municipalities still go out on tender. Khumotun uh, Tu says, why are councillors bought cars? Because uh, they are doing nothing after all. Even a 1400 bucky is fine. Why this extravagance? Um, at Azania PAC, no need to buy expensive cars, Sekina, uh, especially while our people need basic services. We strongly feel this matter uh, needs to be debated even further and then uh, Buzwebake says council and government officials behave like a uh, girlfriend taken out on a date and then they get expensive things because someone else is paying for that so um, those are some of the comments coming through uh, and I'm going to take some calls and then I'll get back to Dr. McKinley and uh, Jackie Mayeba to answer your questions. Uh, Lehua and Durban good morning to you uh, Good morning Sakina Thank Welcome. you for the topic Sakina but, but there's the issue is we've got two guests uh, responding for the wrong topic. One, you've got right to know, two, uh, Mr. Jackie is responding totally out of what you are asking. There are two things that the public needs to know. There's a determination from the Treasury that explains what council is supposed to do in terms of fleet for the mayor, the deputy mayor, the speaker. And there's a determination from Cocktail the Commission on Remuneration, that details what payment or salary package is counted as a supposed to end. Your question is referring to the fleet that the mayor, the deputy mayor, and the speaker are supposed to, to get. That one is a different determination from Treasury. There are guidelines that are set. The only thing is for compliance. Well, we compliance are asking. We're not asking about compliance per se. We are asking, is it time to review whatever is set has, out at the it moment. Has, it, has been re, it has been reviewed several times, again. as I'm saying, it's compliant. There's, there's a set criteria in terms of the municipality. 300,000, 400,000, 600,000, up to a million. That, that's the criteria. It's set there according to the municipalities in terms of their grades. You can't expect a grade 3 municipality to go and buy a 1.5 year because it cannot in terms of the nation of treasury. There is set guidelines it has been done about six times, the reviewal. It has been made of saying, how do you enforce compliance? And compliance is there from right to know. They need to know that or to be aware that each and every year, the annual report is there. Twice a year, the FDDP is there. Where, mon- where monitoring of the budget is there. Where all the public at libraries, at schools, all across the country, the documents are there for the public to inspect in terms of the performance of the budget and implementation of the budget. So, so for, for, for the reviewal of the, for the, for the handbook, it has been done on numerous occasions. And should it not still be done again, especially given our current economic conditions, where everybody is told to tighten their belts, everybody has to make do with less. Why shouldn't we review it again? Would that be a crime? KGM in Uppington, good morning. Uh, good morning to your guest and listeners. Mine is a humble plea. I think there's been too many reviews and we'll continue doing so many reviews. Where what's wrong with reviews. reviewing it? Uh, what's wrong is, is, is the waste of time. I mean, we've wasted a lot of time and unfortunately it's not just a waste of time, it's also the waste of resources. That's the unfortunate Because the panels that you put together for reviewing and reviewing, they're not doing it for free. Here's, here's what I'm, I'm pleading for, Sakina. I think if the media in general, 
particularly the, the national broadcaster. If you, you guys can make it your business to make sure that you take these people to task on a regular basis. In other words, you don't just get them to come and talk all the things they say and disappear into thin air. If you have to make sure that they account accordingly, Sakina, by exposing exactly what happens in these municipalities, I promise you we will have a different uh, result as opposed to what we're having now. So I, I'm we? making a plea to you. Will we? Uh, and I'm asking this in terms of if you say... If the municipality uh, decides to spend 1.5 million rand um, from their coffers to buy a luxury vehicle for the mayor and, and, and in the process even diverting funds in order to do that, how are we going to hold people accountable if the stipulation and the framework allows that sort of thing? Well, by, by educating the society, the community within that municipality that the, the, the rules or maybe the, the principality around the service delivery should not be allowing for, for such municipalities. You can never have a, a pure municipality, Sakina, being able to afford the, the officials, especially political office bearers, the luxuries that are way beyond the, the affordability of, uh, of the municipality. I think if we are to, to, to use that approach, I promise you, Sakina, we will have, if not at least, affect uh, corruption that, that is happening in all these municipalities. Okay, thank you so much, KGM. Elijah and Makado, good morning. Hello, Elijah. Hello. Elijah. Okay, we lost him there. We'll try and come back to him. Uh, let's go to uh, Kaya in Hofmeyer. Good morning, Kaya. Good morning, Sakina. Thanks for taking my call. I think I want to agree first with the gentleman that spoke about the review that has been done. I agree that we must review if there are challenges in relation to the expenditure of local municipalities. But I think what is going to assist South Africans moving forward on this matter is to be specific and say and treat each case on its merits and its and its specifications. For instance, there are municipalities that are using most less expensive cars, but they are not being mentioned by the right to know campaign. So my point is, if there is one municipality that is doing wrong, if the municipality is doing wrong by uh, getting a car which they cannot afford, that must be exposed, I agree. But it cannot be a general uh, statement that all municipalities are like that. That's the comment that I want to make. The regulations, the guidelines are there. And the municipalities, all of them, they understand the guidelines. So let us just be specific and say, in this area, there was wrong thing done, and it must be corrected. Thank you, Sister Kim. Thank you so much. Kaya, Joseph in Middleburg, good morning to you. Morning, Sakin. How are you? Good and you, Joseph? I'm good. Thanks for the topic. It's a nice one. You know, uh, this, this goes deeper even more because I tell you what. Yeah, we had the national and provincial cocktail, you know, uh, invited to come and address an issue. It's not only the, the, the remunerations of councillors, but the land itself. These people are land grabbing. Uh, in the municipality, we had a, a situation at extension eight, what twenty-five, where a land, you know, was given to a, a, a particular home-based care, not procedurally. They are not following procedure um, to 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 a, to such an extent that there was no public consultation. You know, the, our views were suppressed, and when we raised and and raised these issues with the municipality, we were sidelined. 
hello are you still there again i'm listening i'm listening you're listening yeah and um, i'm telling you as we speak right now i would like you i would appreciate if you can follow it up you know invite mike masima because he knows about this the municipal manager they knows about this we held a meeting with the 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 the, the national and the provincial cocktail even mr mutoto the national cocktail uh, 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 person knows about this and and we were ignored sidelined pushed in in such a, in a way uh, in a corner in such a way that we feel helpless and hopeless right now and yet these people are, are, are pushed for us to be able to 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 to, uh, to agree with them we, it, it's unacceptable the councillor never attended the meeting we invited everyone the councillor never attended the meeting the cdw both of them you know we have got two cdw uh, uh, in our ward they were told not to attend the meeting because we could not help they, they did not want uh, to be exposed because we wanted to expose them how weak they are and how 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 incompetent they are when it comes to issues of of communities thank you so much uh, joseph jackie and durban good morning to you hi good morning thanks for taking my call and thanks for the subject um i'm a journalist and i'm out in the field in fair amount of rural areas in kzn and also urban areas where we film the plight of people that are constantly saying that they've tried to talk to their councillors on numerous issues. The councillors either, do, either don't pitch up, as your last caller has said, or they're not available, or excuses are made at the very last minute. We filmed those so-called meetings, and our witness to huge buffet lunches, they all arrive in their four-by-fours or whatever, they're all laughing, joking in their top suits, Having a so-called meeting, those that do arrive, nothing is decided upon, and they all leave. And as a caller, I think the fallout said, please, carry on as the media exposing this. It will help at the end of the day, because when there are these people behaving like this, the motive to become a counsellor is all askew. They want to become counsellors because of what they get, not because they're there to be a counsellor on behalf of the people. So the motive needs to be looked at. Obviously, not everybody, but sadly, it's the majority. I'll listen on the radio. Thank you so much, uh, Jackie. And let me just throw in a few messages there as well. Siabong uh, Angube uh, says, when Sakina pushes her own views on SAFM radio, I guess we are not, uh, just supposed to listen and not challenge. Well, you are sadly mistaken. People have challenged it already. People are putting their views across. And as opposed to moaning, why don't you challenge it? Tell me what it is that you feel about this particular subject. And uh, just a few others as well. Uh, this one from Nkosing um, Pile says, uh, SK, these officials think that they are celebrities with our money. A polo is just fine or an I-20, uh, just that they don't respect public funds. Uh, Leko says um, the ministerial handbook and the municipality handbook need to be urgently reviewed. These handbooks are looting tools. Uh, Chris Maxson says uh, the handbook creates an impression that councillors are superior beings to the citizenry and revolutionary morality is gone. Lungile Tolegile says Mr. Mayepa is proof of how our politicians stand for each other uh, but never stand for the interest of our communities. El Latif Shabazz says it's not about service delivery to the people. It's about stomach delivery for politicians.
Province. Uh, Mushe says, uh, since we know uh, that the mayoral total package isn't 6 million rand, this means that it was more than 25% that was used. Who will be reprimanded for that? Tabang M says, more than 2,000 people lost their jobs when Evra's Highfield Steel closed, and yet Emalatheni mayor wants to buy an expensive new car. Uh, Kailitha Kumalo says, without a shadow of a doubt, it can't be business as usual. Budget reprioritization must happen. You can't be splurging on cars. Albert Chipana says, the same mayors who were canvassing for elections using Isuzu buckies are now driving all over the communities in BMWs. And Warren Manning says, what good compliance, what is good compliance when the policy and rules are in themselves wasteful? Just some of the comments there. Let me start with you, Dale McKinley. Well, uh, first of all, I wanted to respond directly to one of your callers uh, with regards to this notion that, you know, we have uh, regulations, guidelines, uh, and these are just being followed. It's a question of compliance with them. The problem here is this. Let's, let's take a look at the practical realities. About two years ago, uh, hikes for the salaries of all co- go- uh, local government officials were made uh, by the national minister. So, for example, just to give one example, in the city of Joburg, the average uh, wage for the councillors has gone just under half a million rand a year. Now, if you take 25% of that as the determination of what can be used for services, personal perks, and all sorts of other things, you're talking about a large amount of money. The question is, should our councillors be getting paid that amount of money? So what we're told is all we're doing is abiding by these national regulations and provisions. And some people, there's some bad apples that are just basically going beyond them. The problem is, is that as the, the salaries continue to get hiked every single year, and so the, the amount of money that can be spent on all of these kinds of things continues to get hiked. And at the same time, what we're told by Salga is when the municipal workers are striking for uh, increased wages, no, we cannot afford to pay you more than the inflation rate. So the average wage of a municipal worker is just less than 7,000 rand a month. Now, there's something fundamentally wrong with this, because the argument here is that, look, we've set these things, we're just following them. But the, the question that's not asked is what is being set is right. In other words, a constant rise in salaries and perks and enjoyments of all of these other kinds of things by provincial and also local officials, and yet for the actual people who do the work at the local council levels, they're told, no, tighten your belts. You can't. We can't afford these things. The same goes for expenditure on services. Communities are constantly told that there's no money to provide that new infrastructure, that they're struggling, the municipalities are in debt, and yet we don't see the same kind of uh, scaling back on the perks and the salaries themselves. So we've got a fundamental problem here of where our public monies are going. And it's clear, this is not about the right to know, uh, as someone just trying to say, trying to go after government officials and not paying attention to those that are performing their jobs. We recognize the ones that are good as well, but we've got a serious fundamental problem. Government itself, as after review after review after review, has, has recognized this. They say local government is in crisis. We've got over two-thirds of our municipalities that cannot get a clean audit. We've got massive corruption. This is not something that's being dreamed up by civil society and disgruntled individuals. So I I plead with people to start really taking this debate very seriously because what is happening is is if you don't take it seriously and everybody just resorts to the law and says we're just carrying out the regulations and guidelines and they're okay, 
then you're going to have this gap between the politicians and the people becoming wider and wider. The frustration and anger is going to get greater and greater. We've seen this across our country. And if politicians are not going to respond to people, then they should not be surprised when people take to the streets and there's conflict and, unfortunately, sometimes violent conflict that happens as a result of the feeling that politicians are taking advantage of us. The officials are applying one set of rules to themselves, and they're applying another set of rules to the population. And this is the fundamental question that we're having to address here. So let's not get into a debate about uh, technical uh, regulations and guidelines. It's about the political will to change those regulations and guidelines to meet the aspirations of people in a very difficult economic situation and to basically equalize how public monies are used. Mr. Maipa? You know, to come back to the question that you asked, you know, um, whether is it it time to review? I just need to, you know, share with you and the listeners that uh, for the current year, 2016, the Independent Commission, you know, Remuneration Commission in the Presidency has commissioned a study on remuneration and benefits payable to uh, councillors across the country. Upon conclusion of that study, we will then consider the recommendations that have been put forward, you know, and see how how best we can deal with some of the issues that have been raised here. I also wanted to um, emphasize the the point I raised earlier on, that affordability is key. But uh, hence, you know, the minister has set the norm. That uh, if you know a municipality were to buy a car for a particular councillor, that car, you know, this is the norm that should apply, apply which is the 25% of that councillor's salary. Anything beyond that will be against the norm, and you know those cases, you know, as I indicated, will be will be cases that will need to be looked into, you know, uh, uh, individual as opposed to you know a, a generalized approach to say. Um, a category one municipality has a body car that is far beyond, you know, um, its current, you know, revenue and etc. etc. Et or the, the or the, the remuneration of that particular councillor. We have had in the past, you know, um, uh, uh, Fakina, I need to in, in, indicate this one that uh, in the past, should I say, like on an annual basis, we've got questions that come from Parliament where they raise these issues about, you know, councillors and so driving a car of this, you know, and, and, and size, etc. What we've been doing is we follow up with all the, the municipalities and we call them to report and we, we report to council on, 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 on the rationale behind some of these cars that have been, have, have been bought by councillors. I'm not trying to argue that, you know, service delivery should be undermined on the basis of, you know, councillors buying cars that are, you know, out of this world. I'm just saying we need to balance the need for councillors to be able to perform their, 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 their constitutional obligations while at the same time we ensuring that, you know, our, our, our communities, our citizens, you know, enjoy the, the, the services that they are, they are, they, they are supposed to, to, to get from our municipalities. 
Um, good to hear that, you know, there is some process underway. Uh, let me just read a few SMSs here. Uh, Rashid says, the rot has set in. You cannot get rid of the abuse of public funds because there is a tacit acceptance of self-enrichment. Uh, this one simply says, is there actually a need for um, municipal councils at all? Um, another one, Sakina, we now see the reason why we must vote for change. I plead with South Africans to vote for change in 2019. Reverend um, Cindy C. Mshudulu in Sakane says, Sakina, corruption, wasteful expenditure and arrogance have become mainstream in this country and it's highly regrettable. Anthony says, so the handbook is just another uh, form of entitlement. As Piwa and KZN's contribution, that handbook, Sakina, was thrown out of the window when it came to Nkandla. ANC MP said it's not in sync with rural area setup and the councils agreed. Monday in Bloemfontein says, why would municipalities in the midst of inequality and widespread service delivery protests think of approving such huge amounts for German cars? It's plain greed and disregard for the public purse. And then an email from Dumisa. Dumisa says, this just goes to show how politicians have no sympathy uh, for the hardships that our people go through. We have no leadership at all. And then uh, some of the tweets, Calvin Mbiza says, the mayor of Greater Zanin drives a 1.2 million rand Mercedes Benz, but the people of Zanin are crying out loud about water. Uh, Nuko says, can someone tweet pick a ministerial handbook uh, just to show me what it looks like? Does it even exist? Uh, probably we will set up a commission of inquiry so that we can get it. Um, Bangiz Wenkosi says, even a scooter is fine. It saves fuel and other related unnecessary costs. Uh, Luvuyo says, uh, Jackie is out of order. Uh, can't people meet in restaurants with their cars for meetings? Why not? What's wrong with that? But at the same time, out of the view that we need to cut out uh, the spending on these expensive cars to fund other projects in these municipalities. And uh, Olani Zikate says the uh, 15 million rand spent on hiring of cars could have bought all the mayors and speakers in the country Toyotas. They are reliable and they will take you from A to B. But I guess as we come to uh, the end of this morning's show, uh, Dale, what should citizens do? How can citizens be empowered to actually make more of an impact on the sort of decisions, financial and otherwise, that councils take? Well, I think there are several things that uh, citizens can do. Um, one, that we can make use of what is there. In other words, there are documents, there are uh, access to certain things at municipal level in terms of expenditure. People must go and access those things and demand access to those if there are blockages. Uh, and we do have laws that guarantee us those rights to that access to information. Oftentimes, the problem is the municipalities um, and, and local government officials, as well as all the national officials, attempt to try to say it's confidential and secret. But we can fight through those things, and we've already done so uh, many communities across the country. So in other words, to make more transparency. I think it's, it's uh, also at parliamentary level. We need to call directly, and I think there needs to be a much greater uh, uh, emphasis on changing the, the structure of remuneration for our, our, our politicians. We've accepted this, uh, unfortunately, we've accepted this notion that there's this ever-increasing amount that's been given to our politicians, that they must live the high life, that they deserve somehow to be paid, for example, the Shawnee Municipal Councilor Manager, to be paid 3.5 million rand a year. Why? If they're not delivering, in other words, performance-related, uh, if, if services are not being delivered, salaries should be slashed. If the economy is not doing well, everyone must tighten their belts. 
So we've got to get our politicians uh, both at legislative level, at the political and local level, through public pressure, through implementation of new legislation, uh, bylaws, uh, and all these other kinds of things, uh, to, to get a grip on reality in this case. And I think citizens are angry and frustrated. We can see by the responses uh, from across the country that everybody sees this as a problem. And so if, if that doesn't uh, you know, apply, then I think people must try to basically make sure that those counselors who are abusing public finances are targeted, they're exposed, whether that's the media and at local level, and so they're embarrassed and, and basically made to change their behavior. We can't have a situation where we basically just say, this is the way things are and we've got to put up with it. Um, and in that context, we have a democratic architecture. We have uh, institutions and laws that we can make use of. And mm. let's not just resort purely to conflict and, and violence every time that we're upset about things. But we've got to call our politicians to account. We've got to say to them, if you're going to tell us that we're in a situation where everybody must tighten their belts, that includes you. All right. To see that happening. Mr. Mayepa, very briefly. Thank you, We, You know, on on issue of access to information, I mean, our citizens, our local community members have got, you know, they have the right to access to information on requests and hope. Municipalities should be able to provide this information on request. And we will also appreciate, you know, if we could, you know, from time to time get uh, uh, cases reported, you know, where there's suspicion uh, for, you know, a counselor, you know, driving cars beyond uh, some of the, those could be, you know, investigated uh, individually and be dealt with, you know, on that basis. But I would like to also encourage that uh, our municipalities that, uh, they need to stay, you know, within the norms, you know, of, of the prescribed. Uh, mm. They need to stay within the adhere to the prescribed norms whenever they have to uh, provide certain benefits to to to, to counselors.